My name is Stedman Harrison, and I have had the privilege of serving as an elder here in the past. Uh, This season, a little bit of preaching at IEC East, IEC South. Um, This is the first time to be back at IEC Sarbate in quite a while. And this morning, it was like a reunion. Uh, I usually come to second service, so maybe we've seen each other before. I had not seen some of my friends at first service for like two years. So we were hugging and seeing each other for the first time. A great gift to be back in the body of Christ and to see all of the International Evangelical Church together today. Before I go further, I just want to maybe tell you a little bit of a story, a personal story. Can I do that? Is that okay? Um, So this story recently starts with the elder uh, retreat. So at the end of September, uh, Pastor Steve invited the elders together for a retreat. And he told me, he said, Stedman, I want you to help facilitate. One thing I really want to have happen is that the elders get to know each other deeply and well during the short time we have together. And so the very first night, the Friday night that we were together, I asked, I said, we want to hear your stories. We're going to take our time. We want to hear the story of how you came to your Savior, Jesus Christ. What was the storyline behind that miracle of new life that you have and that you represent in terms of a representative of the gospel? And tell us the story of how you got to know your wife, how you and your spouse came together. Friends, we heard some magnificent miraculous stories of what God had done in each of our elders' lives to bring them to Christ and to bring them to their wives. And it stood out to me as a really powerful testimony that God's divine fingerprints are all over our marriages within International Evangelical Church. I got to share a little bit about my story that night. My wife is here this morning, Alyssa. She and I have known each other for 48 years. You have to let that sink in and then you look at me. You look at me and you say, how old is this man? He has gray, gray beard, but how old is he? Well, I met her when I was only one year old. So she was the girl next door. And this is a remarkable story, again, of how God divinely knit things together. Her parents had moved from one state. My parents had moved from another state. They were in a brand new place. And the very first Saturday that they were in that place, my dad and her dad brought the kids out into the driveway, into the parking lot area, and were just sort of strolling around, and they introduced us. She was still in a stroller, just six months old. I was a year and a half toddling, holding on to my dad, and her dad had his camera that day. He was taking pictures, and he got this picture of me leaning down with my hand on the head of my future bride. It was like, it was like a Da Vinci painting, you know, she's reaching up, I'm reaching down. We had no idea at the time that God would bring us back together over the years, but our parents got to be good friends. We saw each other every four or five years. When we were in sixth grade, she came to visit, and with my mom, I showed her my room. I said, hey, Alyssa, take a look at all the things that I have here. Uh, I played classical music for her on my radio. And she said later that she prayed and she said, God, one day I want a boyfriend like that boy. Who knew? God heard these prayers. But when we were 20, I wasn't interested in meeting a friend of the family. And I told my mother when my mom said, we're going to meet her family today. I was like, no, 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 no. You guys go. I'm busy. My mother was tenacious. She was um, pressing on me. You have to come. You're coming to meet this girl. 
And I will tell you that the very first couple of hours, we saw the sparks flying. We had so much in common, 20 and 19 years old. And at the end of a conversation, I said to her, I really want to see you again, but I have a challenge. I'm leaving to move to England to study. And she said, so am I. And we both ended up just an hour apart in England. God allowed us to date and to get to know each other and be a part of a fantastic church there. And at the close of our time, we had a calling on our lives uh, to go and to be a part of God's mission. We wanted to study and to get our master's degrees, to understand more the things that God would have us teach others. And we wanted to be married. And just a year later, we were married. So we've been married for 26 years uh, the love of my life, my friend from one year old. I, I love my, my dear Alyssa, and it's great to have her here this service this morning. Amen. We are going to talk about marriage today. It's an important topic. It's placed in God's word for us very clearly in Genesis chapter 2. As we move there, pray with me that God will open his word to us that we will understand it in a, in a more powerful way as we study it together this morning. Let's pray. Almighty God, Heavenly Father, hallowed be thy name. You are holy. You are good. You alone are great and worthy of praise. We've just sung those words. Thank you, Lord, for the truth of who you are. Thank you, Lord, that you are active and engaged in our lives, that your divine fingerprints are all over our lives. And Lord, we have testimony. We, we can bear witness to that. Thank you that we can come together this morning and read from your scriptures. Lord, I would ask a very powerful request this morning that this time that I would become your mouthpiece by way of your Holy Spirit. Let your word be spoken from the truth of scripture. I pray that we would have soft ears and soft hearts here this morning that we would listen and go away changed. Help us to understand the truths at the very beginning of our scriptures, that it would set us on a foundation and write our path for the studies that we will have in the season ahead. We pray this in the powerful and the able name of Jesus. Amen. Friends, our habit at International Evangelical Church is to stand for the reading of God's word, so please stand with me. I'm reading from the English Standard Version, and I'm reading from chapter 2 of Genesis. I'm going to pick up in verse 18. Hear the word of the Lord for us today. Then the Lord said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now, out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all of the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and we're not ashamed. The word of the Lord for the people of the Lord and all God's people said, 
Praise be to the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. The message this morning is a simple three-point sermon. I want to give it to you right up front so we hold on to it. My hope is that it stays with us. It sticks in our minds. We're going to look at marriage today and we're going to see that marriage is God's doing. He's the one who makes marriage. It is God's doing. He does that in order to show us his way. We're going to look at a covenant way that is God's way. And he does it for his glory. So the three-part sermon this morning, marriage is God's doing to show us God's way for God's glory. But before we dive into looking at the text again together, there are some things that are on my mind as a preacher and teacher of God's word, a sensitivity that I have is I recognize we are a diverse congregation. The first and foremost is that we're going to be preaching on marriage. It applies for all of us here today. Every one of us has a marriage that we can place in our mind. Oftentimes it will be the marriage of our mother and father. We've been able to look to that marriage as an example perhaps. We we're, were able to think about that marriage from which we came. We may be married today. In fact, I've been talking this morning after first service with people who've only been married for three weeks. What a great gift it was to talk on the topic of marriage with them this morning as they set into this wonderful gift and sacrament of marriage and they, they begin to unfold the years ahead. I was able to ask lots of friends in between the services, okay, I've known you for a while. How long have you been married? And I heard about 20-year marriages, 30-year marriages, 40- and 50-year marriages here in our congregation. I want to honor the fact that many of you are single. God honors you as singles. We're going to look at Matthew 19 today, and so I just want to say up front, just because we're highlighting marriage doesn't make singleness any less holy or less important. We're looking at, again, Scripture today starting in Genesis 2. We're going to focus on marriage. But friends, Jesus Christ himself, as a single man, speaks to the Pharisees. And he explains the importance of those who have set themselves apart for singleness. We want to pray for our single friends. Pray for them that God will walk with them and be with them. I also recognize that there are people in a congregation of this size and in our own family that have faced divorce have suffered separation in marriages. They have suffered all kinds of earthly consequences of failings and sins. I don't want the word to be heard today as a judgment. I want the gospel of forgiveness to be heard. And I would ask you, search your hearts. Perhaps you're needing to come back to the word of God, come back to Jesus in a powerful way in repentance to set yourself on a straight and narrow path regarding marriage the way that it was intended. But don't hear judgment today. Um, hear the love of Christ, the open invitation to come and explore the scriptures together. That's what I would want you to take away. And there's one other thing that I'm conscious of. I, I studied theology, and I have friends who have been tripped up on the fact that in Genesis 1, we have the creation story. We have the first six days unfolding for us. And starting in chapter 2, we have creation revisited. We get in the first verses, day seven, and the resting that God takes, uh, a very serious rest that he takes after creating the world. But then we revisit the creation in very specific detail. And people have asked the questions before, why is this? 
I want to point our attention to the fact that it's worthy to zoom in and to focus on how it is that God creates humanity. We're told in chapter 1, male and female, God created them in his own image. In our image, we create them. God talks in, in a relational way about his creation. But we're zooming in. The history of this is there. We see almost a stair step towards chapter 3. So chapter 1, very broad about creation. Chapter 2, more specific about mankind. We're going to get a, a very intimate relationship to Adam and Eve. In chapter 3, Adam and Eve step onto the stage and there is a conversation that they're having with God. We call this stair step. We call it a chiasm, a chiastic structure. Our scriptures are full of them and it's meant to focus our attention, zooming in. And so next week as we go to chapter three, we're going to look more carefully at the centerpiece of what's happening here in the early passages of Genesis. So don't hear what happens here as a second creation story. Hear it as a focus and a zooming in on the importance and worthiness of the created order of humankind. And so now, we look at this message on marriage. Marriage, a beautiful, ordained, created by God and designed by God process. So we would take your attention back to verse 18. Think about what we've heard in the opening verses of chapter 1. God creates and he looks at his creation and he reflects. And he said, it is good It is very good in some cases. But in verse 18 of chapter 2, it should catch our attention. God speaks at his creation. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. God looks at the things that he has created and he is explaining his process. He has created Adam and now he is about to create Eve. Marriage is his doing. It is his work. He's invested in it. One of the conversations that I had after uh, the first service this morning, God spoke and the world came into being. God spoke and there was light. God spoke and these animals broke forth onto the earth's surface. But God's creation of humankind is a hands-on, very created a process. So God actually forms Adam. He forms Eve. And this is an important part of God's doing as he starts to present to us this idea of marriage. A powerful idea. Something that we need to hold on to. God is intimately invested. He makes it clear that nothing else in creation will serve to fit Adam. He says, I will make him a helper fit for him. And he comes back having showcased all of the created order With Adam naming all of these things that have been created, there was not found a helper fit for him. And so God takes that intimate act on his shoulders and he makes a woman. He does this by putting Adam to sleep. It's like a surgery that's being performed. He takes a rib out of his side and from that rib he forms a woman. And now we see not only is he making marriage, but he is acting as the first father to present the very first bride. If you've attended a wedding, think about the weddings that you may have seen that have taken place here on this stage. I was reminded of weddings that we've performed just here and those ongoing relationships in marriage. But the father often comes to present the bride. We ask the question, who presents this woman to this man? And in this case, it is God himself presenting Eve 
to the created Adam. What a powerful and beautiful example of God being Father God in an intimate way and instituting marriage. And then marriage itself is highlighted. So we close out this passage. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And it closes. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Why were they not ashamed? There was no division between God and them as of yet. This is a beautiful pre-fall picture. So imagine Adam and Eve standing unashamed before holy God, having just been a part of the very first marriage that God himself has made possible. God performs the one flesh unity. And it is a mystery, a mystery that we're going to look at as we move into this second point. So it is God's doing. Marriage is something that God makes possible. And he wants us to look back from the very first generation to see how it is that he uses marriage as a process to demonstrate his way and to glorify himself. And so we come to this second point this morning. Marriage is God's doing, it's his making, but it also is showcasing a way that he wants us to understand. Uh, There was a conversation that took place between the Pharisees and Jesus. I'm going to turn our attention to Matthew chapter 19. So if you want to turn in your Bibles, turn to Matthew 19. And in verse 3, the Pharisees ask about this topic of divorce. They're testing Jesus. And the Pharisees came up in verse 3 to him and tested him by asking, is it lawful to divorce one's wife for any cause? They've heard that the Mosaic law made available a way out, a divorce, that that was a process that was possible. And Jesus answered, reframing and restating what God has already said in the Old Testament. He answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. Jesus is saying there is a way that marriage is supposed to work. It is a covenant relationship. And it is a covenant that begins and should never end. We say, till death do us part. It is this passage where Jesus points to the fact that a man and a woman brought together by God should stay together for all of their lives. That's the intended plan for marriage. Marriage has been something at the very centerpiece of Satan's attack since the beginning. We will see that next week, I'm sure. As we look at Genesis 3, but marriage is under attack. It's under attack today. God's way is a covenant way. And his covenant way is something that begins as a promise and is never broken and is never forsaken. It's a beautiful gift that we have Jesus reframing and restating what he along with God the Father said at the very beginning in creation. We also get to see this rephrased by the Apostle Paul. So I'm going to take us to one final passage of Scripture this morning. Look with me, if you would, at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 31, Paul uses the same words that we've just heard from Genesis 2, from 18 and following, and he makes a point about Jesus and his church, his bride. So this is what he says, starting in chapter 5, verse 31. Therefore, 
A man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Paul says that the relationship, which is a covenant relationship between man and woman, points us to Christ and the church. What Paul wants us to understand is that Jesus, a bridegroom, is wed to his church, and no matter what the bridegroom does to fall short of her side of the covenant, he keeps his covenant promise. We have a bridegroom for our church who is pure, who is perfect, who walks without sin, without blame, without shame, and who is wed to the church in a powerful way demonstrating his commitment. Paul speaks of this commitment in Philippians chapter 2. He talks to us as a church and he says, we need to be like Jesus. Think about who he was. We need to have the mind of Jesus, the other-mindedness of Jesus Christ. Jesus was equal to God. He didn't hold on to that equality, but he stepped aside from all of his rights and he took the form of a servant stepping down into creation. In John, we get the beautiful picture of Jesus washing the feet of the disciples. He literally takes off his outer garment knowing that he had come from God and was going back to God. But Jesus takes the form of a household servant and washes their feet in this beautiful ceremony to point a picture for us that he is willing to serve his bride to wash the feet of his bride, to stand by his bride, even though he knows that Peter, as an example, a member of his bride, will forsake him three times before the evening is even out. What a powerful, amazing gift that Jesus showcases his covenant through the picture of marriage. Marriage at our best demonstrates the other-mindedness that we hear of when we speak of Philippians chapter 2. The other-mindedness that Paul calls us to in relationship to one another is lived out in marriage. It's hard not to be other-minded when you live closely connected to each other. It's hard not to recognize the differences and to struggle and to strive for unity and to take the perspective of the other. Marriage is the place where the human relationship is at its broadcast best or potentially at its broadcast worst. You've perhaps seen marriages explode into turmoil. Maybe you've experienced a really difficult conversation where you've gone away and you've wondered, can we ever come back together as close as we were before? Marriage is God's doing. It's his demonstration of his covenant. He tells us not to let the sun go down on our anger, but brings us back together in a powerful, unifying way in which we see forgiveness played out between a married couple. This is a powerful gift. The final picture that I want us to have from marriage this morning, it's God's doing, it's his making. He does it to show us his way, the way of covenant, a way that is mysterious and profound. And also, it is for his glory, for his glory. He wants to put marriage on display at its best, that it would point to him, holy God, that it would glorify him. I came back yesterday from Jordan. Jordan is a beautiful country. It's full of all kinds of biblical sites. I went to the birthplace of Elijah at Tishbe. I took a friend there to see where Elijah was born, where he came back to seek God. 
We were able to go to a number of different beautiful places there. I was actually working with the Ministry of Agriculture in Jordan, and they took us to one unique farm. It was an olive grove. And they showed us a group of olive trees, all of which had been planted 2,000 years ago. Olive trees that had been in that same field side by side for 2,000 years. Since the beginning of the church that took place there in the Decapolis, very close by where Jesus had healed that man who was possessed by a demon. And that man being freed from that demon was the very first missionary, we believe. We see at the end of the encounter with the demoniac, he wants to go with Jesus and Jesus tells him, no, go and tell the people from the place where you're from what has happened to you here this day and that man goes and he begins to share the word the gospel news of Jesus Christ look what has happened to me my chains have been broken my life has been set free and the early church is born out of that message and in the Decapolis people come out to the countryside by the thousands to hear Jesus where the feeding of the 5,000 the second time takes place what a beautiful picture There were trees that were being planted at that time that are still alive today. The owner of that field explained to us that he had inherited it from his father, from his father's father. It went back in the family. And he said, these trees, they've grown resistant to all kinds of things that the world would put on them as a challenge. They've lived through fire. They've lived through drought. Years have gone by where they have seen no water and yet they still produced fruit. They've been attacked by all kinds of bugs, things that would try to eat into the wood and destroy the fruit, and yet year after year they have produced. He explained that these trees had grown strong and resilient. It was an image in my mind as I looked at a 2,000-year-old tree that I can never have taken out of my mind that God wants the same for marriage. He institutes marriage with Adam and Eve, And they take marriage into the very first generation with Cain and Abel. And we will see that marriages continue all the way up until this day. Marriages in the church should be resilient. They should stand the test of time. They should showcase and demonstrate for us the glory of God. He wants us to see his work in the church across the generations. But friends, marriage is under attack. Satan would love to see marriages destroyed, broken apart, to see the covenants that God sets in place fail, to see them broken. We need to pray for our marriages in this church. Pray for the marriage of your mother and father as you leave today. Pray for the marriage of the young people who are just coming together and starting out at the very beginning of that relationship. Pray for those 10-year, 20-year, 30-year mile markers. Let us celebrate together marriage in the church and look for the way in which God can be glorified. Marriage, at its very best, becomes our tool for witness. It is our testimony. So today, I told you about my marriage to my wife. We all have marriages that we can point to, and any stranger that we see in the city of Addis Ababa or beyond can begin with a simple question, tell me about yourself. Where are you from? 
it may be a hard step for us to take to begin to talk to them about our walk with Jesus Christ. Friends, there is a universal door opener that God has given us. Let me tell you about the marriage of my parents and how God brought them together. Let me tell you about my marriage. Let me tell you about how God brought me together with my wife. It is a miraculous story. It is a story with divine fingerprints all over it. It is a miraculous story that tells of something about God in action. And I can then bridge from that to many other open door conversations. You'll find it's a universal. So today, I would like for you to ask one another, have you been married? Are you married? How long have you been married? Get to know each other. We heard this morning from our elder Trent and from our pastor Steve that our eldership wants to know the sheep. We want our flock here at International Evangelical Church to know each other. This is a door opener in a relationship builder. Get to know each other through this powerful question about marriage. Marriage was something that God designed. He placed it into a beginning here. He states these powerful words in Genesis and he explains that a man should leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, that they shall become one flesh and that the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. God stood with his created beings before him and he had relationship, communion, the pre-fall picture of what is possible. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ came to this earth. He walked perfectly. He did that as an obedience to his Father's command. You'll remember that he prayed, Lord, take this cup from me, but your will be done. He saw himself through that hard passion week and through that passion day onto a cross for your sins and for mine, for the failures that happen in our marriages, for the brokenness that we see in marriages that have occurred in our families. Jesus died on that cross for the forgiveness of all of those sins, but he did not stay dead. On the third day, he was risen from the grave. We serve a living Savior, and that living Savior is coming back, and he wants to set all things right. There will be a day again when the people of God who look to Jesus Christ, who's already bent their knees and confessed with their tongues that Jesus Christ is indeed Savior, have the opportunity to walk again without shame with their God. We are able to enter into prayer because Jesus is our high priest without shame and to be, as it were, naked before our God, to bear our souls, to bear our hearts to a loving heavenly Father who is there to hear us and to answer us from heaven. Friends, marriage is a beautiful picture. It's God's doing, it shows us his way, and it is indeed for his glory. As I close our sermon today, I'd like for you to pray with me. So as I pray, I'd like to ask that you pray with me for the marriages represented in our church. Recognize that they are, in fact, under attack. Satan would love to see those things destroyed that God would want to use for his glory and for his good. Pray with me this morning, especially for newlyweds. Pray for those young people as they start into a marriage. Pray for those people who have crossed amazing milestones in their marriages, 30 and 40 years. The next generation is watching. Our children look to our marriage to wonder at the 25-year mark and the 50-year mark, how will we remain faithful to God and to our covenant promises to one another? The next generation is watching. Pray for the marriage 
of those people who have come from abroad, who find themselves visiting in Ethiopia, I recognize living here out of culture can be a pressure cooker. It puts marriage into a very hard place at times. We're facing things that are not common to the places we came from. So as an international church, recognize we need to be praying for our married couples. Pray for our singles. Pray for those who are seeking a husband or a wife, a spouse in the future. Pray for them that God's divine fingerprints will be prominent and profound and powerful in their lives. Pray for those that God would call to ministry as singles, that they would walk that narrow path and walk it well. Pray with me this morning as we close our service. Almighty God and Heavenly Father, we pray again this morning, having read your word together, having studied Genesis 2 and understood a little bit about what you were doing by your institution of marriage, the fact that you were at work and on display, powerfully creating not just man and woman, but bringing them together to show us that one flesh union. Lord, thank you for the covenant relationship that you have to your church. Thank you, Lord, that you never walk away, that you never break covenant, that you never forsake your bride. Thank you that marriage can point us to that covenant relationship. And Lord, we praise you that you would be glorified through our testimonies and through the witness of our own marriages here at International Evangelical Church. And so we place them at your feet this morning. We ask that you would watch over our marriages. Guard them, Lord. Empower us, Lord, that we would, by your Holy Spirit, stay close and unified. That we would end struggles quickly in terms of communication norms that are not right, habits that need to be broken, ways in which the tables of our hearts need to be turned over inside of our marriages. Lord, let our marriages be on display for the city of Addis Ababa, for the country of Ethiopia, for the Horn of Africa, that people would see godly marriage and recognize that there is a God behind the godly marriage, that we would showcase and point them to your glory. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.